As we begin our Easter message this morning, I'll ask you to stand, and if you have a Bible or an electronic device or something where you can turn to uh, John chapter 20, verses 1 to 8, um, feel free to do that. If not, you can listen. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight to the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told him them that he had said these things to her. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. This week, it was my privilege to welcome my great-nephew, Orion Lee, into the world. And my poor niece was in labor for around 30 hours, most of that spent waiting. Yesterday, she was just a girl in labor. Today, she is a single mom with a beautiful baby boy. Yesterday, she had only herself to worry about and care for. Today, she will never spend another moment of her life where she does not worry about her precious son and what he's doing and where he is and all the million other things that plague parents as long as they have breath. This is also what happened with the resurrection. Saturday, the disciples and all who followed Jesus were bereft, overcome with grief. The Messiah had died. He was in the ground. He was gone. But then, Sunday morning happened, and everything changed forever. The resurrection changes everything about everything. 
If you follow Jesus and you don't know that or haven't heard that or can't see that, let me tell you some ways in which the resurrection changes everything for you. First, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, you wouldn't even be here. I mean, in this place, not physically here. You wouldn't be a Christ follower at all. Why follow someone whose basic claims seem crazy and ridiculous at face value? We probably wouldn't ever have even heard of him. No one would have written down the words he said. No one would have made a point of telling us all about him. Why learn about yet another rebel in ancient Rome who didn't even have the ability to pull together an interesting insurrection? Jesus becomes just another criminal, shamefully crucified by an empire that specialized in squashing insurrection. But thanks be to God, he is risen. He is risen indeed. And because he is risen indeed, we know of him. And we know he is really and truly risen for a number of reasons. Because of what he has done in us, for sure but also because the idea of the resurrection as a lie doesn't ultimately work. The disciples themselves truly had nothing to gain by saying that Jesus was risen. It, it may have made them famous now, but at that time, it put them in danger. And they certainly had no following of people who were going to hang around with them if they said crazy things. The resurrection is only known to us because it is true. They only wrote the things down because it was true. Chuck Colson, who was famously part of the Nixon-Watergate scandal, he became a Christian in prison for almost exactly that reason. Because he had just been one of 12 men who tried to carry off a lie. And it didn't work. He actually said... I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Every one of them was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep the lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. So we know that the resurrection is true. And because the resurrection is true, we know about Jesus. Second, because of the resurrection, who we are is different. We follow a king whose whole purpose was to show us a kingdom that is different. A kingdom of servants whose sole purpose is to love and proclaim and forgive. Maybe not sure about this one, but I'm going to tell you that Jesus didn't just preach it. He lived it. On the cross, among his last words, forgive them, Father, to those who put him on a cross both the religious leaders and the politically complicit. 
to the one who betrayed him. He offers bread and wine and washes his feet. To the one who denied him, he offers the hand of friendship and kindness. Jesus coming back from the dead is what redefines lordship and kingship to resemble humility and servanthood and selfless love. No one who lives today witnessed the resurrection or personally saw the Christ actor. I mean, if you did, come and tell me because that would be really, I might need to call for some help for you. But I pray that everyone here sees Jesus in other people, sees Jesus in you and me, that the people outside of this building see Jesus in us because Christ's followers are transformed. Oh, that our following the Christ who died and yet lives would result in the transformation that pours out and overwhelms with love and joy and peace and hope and self-control. Jesus tells us before he dies that the way people will recognize us for who we are is because of the love we have for one another. We are transformed by following, and if we are not, are we really following? third thing and this kind of follows closely with the second the marginalized the other these are to be treated differently because of the resurrection too you can see this immediately in who knows of the resurrection first it is the women the first preachers were women ordained by the living christ himself on resurrection sunday women who in that day cannot testify in court Women who in that day are essentially considered the property of the men they belong to. They must be under the protection of a man they're married to, or a father, or a brother. And they're set aside if they cannot bear children or aren't married. That was the case for women then. We can't always see that in our culture. We don't necessarily understand those concepts, but I'm telling you, the women were so shoved to the side. They were so undervalued. But the resurrection says that women and men are equally redeemed, equally transformed, equally valued, fully loved. The fact that Jesus gave his message of resurrection to the women was a move to transforming how his followers should see and value the marginalized and oppressed of this world. We are not at liberty as Christ followers to devalue anyone for any reason. Because Jesus has proclaimed loudly as the stone rolled from an empty tomb that the worth of a person is not in their gender or what society says, but in the blood that dripped from a cross and the unwrapped linens from an undead body. The marginalized are welcome at the table, welcome in the company of all followers, welcome everywhere in every situation. Skin color, gender, race, national identity, 
All of these no longer are to be used to oppress another. Instead, as our differences are celebrated, our beauty as one body of Christ under the banner of the resurrection is to be delighted in. Finally, and this is the whole point of the resurrection, the resurrection redeems the garden. We no longer look to Eden as the garden of our origin, but instead to the Gethsemane and the burial garden. Jesus cried out, it is finished, as he breathed his last. And we know that this means that the victory of the cross is the burial of our sin. But the victory of the empty tomb is bigger. It is the victory of life over death, of hope over despair, of love over our enemies. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Paul asks and we answer, defeated under the heel of the risen Christ. We have no fear. We do not need to dread the end of our earthly life. Because praise the risen King We believe in the resurrection of the dead, and because of the resurrection, we too will be raised. In fact, our first resurrection comes as we begin the journey of following Christ, and we are raised from the death of a sinful life to the life of abundance that is only found in Jesus and the hope that he brings us all. John tells us at the end of his gospel that all the things that Jesus did are too numerous to put down on paper. I tell you that if we were to describe all the ways the resurrection changes things, we would be here for a very long time. In fact, for 2,000 years, people have been telling us all the ways the resurrection makes us different, and the story hasn't ended. Brandon called sermons this morning stories. And yes, the resurrection story is the best story, and one that never gets old. It never gets fully told. We cannot tell it all. Because even this morning, what if hopelessness becoming hope or miracles becoming routine or joy in the face of suffering or all kinds of things? Instead, every sermon in every church on every Sunday is a recap of the resurrection promise. The Christ who died now lives, and that changes everything for everyone, for all of time. May you follow the Christ of the cross so completely that you too are changed by his life, by his death, and most importantly, by his resurrection. For he has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen.